enough of um, the updates and the, the church talk. Who's ready to hear about the Holy Spirit this morning? Yeah. Come on. We're going there. We're talking about him. We have been on this series about life with the Holy Spirit, that we got to understand that there is opportunity available for us to actually have the power of the living God in us doing acts that are supernatural, that are above our own abilities, because God actually is God. He's not human, right? He's bigger than us. He's more powerful than us. And we need to remember that we, if we give him room to operate in our lives, he wants to do God-like things in our lives. Amen? Come on, you guys are like, well, I don't know. You know, that's where it gets a little weird, huh? No, hang with me. Because I want you to take a look at with me in scripture at what the power of the Holy Spirit's about. Today's verses, or today's title is a relationship with the Holy Spirit brings power. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Amen? You know, the, there's a moment that in all of our lives we actually realize that. Can you remember the moment when you, you got saved, you met Jesus, and maybe it was like a, a slow process, the fruits re- being revealed in your life, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You know what the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, what that is? It's when, G- when the Holy Spirit reproduces the life of Jesus in you. He produces the life of Jesus, meaning he starts doing a work in our lives so that he changes us so that we can look more and more like Jesus. From glory to glory, we begin to take on the attributes, the character, the personality of Jesus, right? That's the goal is to please God and to to be more Christ-like. But there's a moment that we all experience when we realize this church that I go to, wherever that was, if it's this church or years back or whatever, and this Bible that I read there's something to this. There's something going on where my life is actually affected. This isn't a religion. This isn't a a group of people I come together with and they're nice and they read nice ideas and we try to follow rules. But there's a time in your life when it actually clicks for you. Do you guys remember that time? Remember, nobody remembers, can I show of hands? Does anybody remember? I hope you're Christians, you know, you, you remember, right? And for the most majority of us in this room, we are Christians, and, and we, we remember that time when, when we got saved, and we started to feel something different. We started making different decisions, right? There's people I talk to all the time where it's really dramatic, where it's like, look, I was in jail, or I, I've, I've done really bad things, or I had addictions, or I was just this kind of rugged person or whatever, and I found Jesus. The Holy Spirit began to work in my life, and I noticed I was changing, and I wasn't trying to make it happen, but as I got close to God and his word and his people, stuff started changing in me. And it's that moment where you realize this thing's real. There's power in this thing. I want to know more about God because he's changing me. Well, in my life, let me share a little bit about my life today, is I got saved when I was about five years old. So hadn't served any jail time yet. Didn't have a string of broken relationships, right? You know, I didn't, I didn't have a bunch of addictions, maybe candy or something. I was five years old. But when I was five years old, I was old enough to come to that point where my parents explained to me, hey, this is who Jesus is. He's the son of God. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to bless your life. He actually died on the cross to make it possible for you to live in heaven for eternity and have a relationship with God. The basics at five years old, they explained it to me. And I said, I want to I pray. I want to know Jesus in that way. So I believe I got saved at five. 
And I began to grow and learn, but I was a little kid, right? Nine years old, I got baptized. Nine years old, I decided I got more understanding, and I kind of went, this is real. I want to make a statement. I want to tell the world. That's what baptism is. We've already baptized over 25 people here this weekend already. Can we praise God for that? That's good, right? And baptism is that step where you say, this stuff's real. I believe it. I'm not just signing up for religion. God's changed my life. I'm identifying with him. I'm, I'm a reborn, a new creation. This is good. So at nine, I did that. And then I kind of experienced like uh, a little bit of God. But again, I was kind of a kid. If I look back, I, I didn't really think the fruit of the spirit was totally operating in my life, you know, yet. I was young. But there was a point when I was about 13, 14 years old, I went to a youth camp here um, in Hawaii, uh, Camp Timberline. Anybody ever been up there? Makakilo exit. Back in the day, we used to go there all the time. And, and it was at that camp where I experienced really the feeling of God has power. This is real. I'm not at this camp because my parents are pastors and made me go to this camp. Wait a minute. This God thing is legit. And I started going, wait, what they're talking about? And all my peers are around here with me. God's moving and it's starting to change. And I embraced the actual relationship that I already had with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, but stuff started to change in my life. Now, what I look at that is what Pastor Frank talked about last week in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the proof that he's real in your life. Didn't Frank do a good job, guys, last night, last week? He was good. It comes with the, the power, the, the excitement and the power. But Galatians 5 says that the, when we meet Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to manifest in our lives in us and it's working in us, changing us. The fruit of the Spirit is the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? We start to feel that change. When I was even young and I started to embrace at 13 years old, wait, the Holy Spirit's really in me. I'm starting to change. As I embraced it, it started to change my life. I started to, you know, one of the things that I did when I was at that age is I had a filthy mouth, yeah? Anybody else? Amen. Well, don't raise your hand. Busted. No. But I had a filthy mouth. And you know, part of the reason I had such a filthy mouth, my parents were pastors and it was that whole pastor's kid deal that you want to rebel against being the little holy kid, right? Because your parents are pastors. And so you got to get street cred and you got to like have the dirty mouth. That was me the whole way, right? And so many pastor's kids, it's like they either go one way or the other and they go pretty far, right? You either become like me, a pastor on fire for Jesus, or you go off the deep end because you want to get a run away from that stuff. And thank God that I chose right, that God worked in me. But I began to experience his indwelling presence in my life. I met Jesus. There's a verse. Listen to this verse. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that Paul says this, and no one is able to say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know what that means? You cannot profess and claim to be a Christian and know Jesus without knowing the Holy Spirit, who's also the one that drew you to Jesus that's working in your life. So when you get saved, you have a relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. They come in all three. They come together, right? So when I got saved and I began to embrace the Holy Spirit, he was in me. He began changing me, and I, I stopped swearing. I'm like, wait, I don't need this anymore wait, I'm not doing that on my own decision. I just don't need to do that. God's starting to change me. This is real. And I realized that the way that I looked at girls was different too because when you're 13 and hormones, you're like, any girl that'll say yes to me, awesome, right? And I remember being convicted and just feeling like, but God is real in my life and he's really important to me now. And if I ever go for a girlfriend, I want to make sure she knows God too. And I'm telling you, that wasn't me, that was a Holy Spirit working in me because I was full of hormones and ready to go, right? Weren't you guys all there too? At least boys, we remember, right? But I sensed something different going on and saying, 
no, live for my purposes, higher purposes. Make sure that if you have a girlfriend that she knows Jesus too. And I was like, that's so against what my hormones are telling me, but God is doing a work in me. And I started noticing all these things that even when I still struggle with the teenage years and getting bad grades and talking to my parents, you know, rebelling and all that, that God was working in me when I would do wrong things. I had this conviction that I didn't feel before. Oh, you're doing something bad. You know you have, God has better plans for you. And I'm like, what, what is this? But what I realized was, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian is the fruit begins to happen in your life and he begins to change you on the inside. And really the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit changing in me and doing a work in me that's for me. But then as I got a little bit older, I discovered through scripture and through the Holy Spirit revealing himself to me that there comes a different stage of power that I want to talk about today. that's available to every Christian where Jesus calls it a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a term Jesus uses in scripture. The term baptism is very, is, is very different than just when you meet Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he's doing a work in you. The term baptism literally means immersed, soaked, completely satiated, saturated to the point where you're like filled up, but now you're overfilling into the lives of other people and dramatic God-like things are happening in your life. You guys get what I'm saying here? The baptism filling, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, the Bible uses different terminology, but it describes it as a different step beyond just getting saved and knowing relationship with the Holy Spirit and having him work in your life. This is where the Holy Spirit comes on you so much, you're filled and overflowing flowing where he's working through your life into the lives of other people. You guys got that? Okay, I want you to pay attention, follow with me here, because this is where you really start to see the power come into play. And too many of us here in the United States, we downplay that power because things get a little bit weird, a little bit freaky. And remember how we said before, people are weird, God's not weird. But we think that the stuff that God does is weird because we're so limited in our human capacity to understand that there's a God that is much bigger than us, much more powerful, and he wants to do incredible displays of his power and glory and love in our lives. But you know what we do here in, in the United States? We write it off. We're like, oh, that's weird. I, I'm not going to mess with that kind of a thing. Oh, I don't, we don't believe in that. Let's, let's get critical. Let's, like, let's shoo that away because, no, we don't need to. God is a God of order, and we just stick with the order. We forget that God is the one that created the universe, that he brought people back from the dead. He does incredible things. He's God. He's not human, right? We are small. He is big. And he wants to be God. And if we're just doing things in our religious sense that we can control, then all that is is religion, and it's all under our own power. But if we'd actually give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up, because he's already in us, and we give him permission to do these acts of power through us, then we're starting to understand this Christianity thing is about a mighty living God who's bigger than me, who has power to help me. And I'm going to embrace that and our lives turn around completely. And this is the power I want to talk about, that it's a power that Jesus actually said that his disciples had received relationship with the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, but in a few days now, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to baptize, immerse, soak you to overflowing. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 5. It's, Jesus says, John baptized with water. That's what we're doing today. Water baptism signifying we believe in Jesus and letting the world know. He says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in a few verses later in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power. So we're talking about today. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I want you guys to catch. There's a verse in John chapter 20, verse 22, 
where it says, Jesus gathered his disciples after he had died and resurrected. He met with his disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So guess what? The disciples already had the Holy Spirit. Jesus hadn't gone up to heaven yet, but they had a relationship with the Holy Spirit already. And then Jesus said, but wait for the Holy Spirit to baptize you as something further. You've got some power that's going to transform your inner life, and that's awesome. But guess what? I'm sending something else. When I go back to heaven, something bigger and better is going to come where the power overwhelms you, overflows in you, and you're going to be moving in the power of the Spirit to bless other people around you. You guys see that? Really clearly, he's saying there's a different situation. And that that moment in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' followers, is something dramatic happened. They began speaking and prophesying. They began speaking in other human languages. God-fearing Jews from around the different nations were in Jerusalem celebrating the festival. And they said, how is it that these people are speaking in our languages? There's no way they could know us. We're speaking in all of our different dialects. How are they doing that? You know what that was? That was the power of the Holy Spirit coming to them, filling them up so much that it's in an outward sign. And you know what the sign was for? To draw people to God. Do you guys realize that the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are simply an act of love of God who's trying to put his power on display through us to bring people to him? You guys got to understand that. Because if we start getting into spiritual gifts and seeking the Holy Spirit's power for us or for sensationalism or to focus on how cool and neat those gifts are, we're missing the point. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit is not for us. It's to be used through us to strengthen other people around us. Don't miss that fact. That's what it's all about. It says, actually, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a, a, a verse that lists uh, a lot of the primary gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power as it come up, comes upon us. This is what it should look like. This is the supernatural gifts that the Holy Spirit bestows on us to help each other. Um, you can also find other verses of the gifts in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4. But this is kind of the main one where it's the supernatural ability. We're going to be talking about this, that this morning. Now, I don't want you to fade out and tune out on me and go, oh, no, this church is like that. That's weird. Would you just be open enough to listen, to see what God possibly might have for you. Because if it's good and it's real and it's from God, then it's going to bless your life and bless other people's lives. Amen? And if you tune out right now and miss it, you might miss out on the best thing that ever happened to you. And so you be the judge, but we're going to talk about this in Scripture. Paul begins to describe what these spiritual gifts are all about. And I got to tell you this, okay, before we go any further. I'm not a pastor up here today teaching you stories that happened 2,000 years ago, and we should, because of those stories, uh, have a faith and a hope that they might happen today. I'm a pastor right here on stage right now that is saying, I have seen and I have lived and I have experienced the power of being filled and baptized and overflowing with the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? And you can look at me and go, he's pretty sane. I might take his word for granted. I (laughs) I hope you understand that I'm not coming with some old stories. This stuff's happening in my life. It has happened in my life. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm tired of it happening from time to time when I like accept a little bit more of the Holy Spirit. I want to move in the Holy Spirit every single day. And I'm trying to take this church with me to say that there is power available from God. And we need to stop just going, oh, once in a while I might see that. Or once in a blue moon, a miracle might happen. I want us to be in a place where, Holy Spirit, just have your way. Just flood us. Just overwhelm us. It's great that we have you in us. Jesus talked about living water. Living water would be the Holy Spirit. And it's like, if I drink it right now, I've got the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in me, changing me. But if I go jump in the ocean full of water, then I am completely flooded over. And some of that's going to get other people wet with the living water, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
So we're going to talk about that. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He talks about spiritual gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. And here's the whole key. Underline this, highlight this in your Bible right now. The key to giving the spiritual gifts is so we can help each other. You guys got that? We are over with the days of like, let's chase the gifts because they're so cool and they're interesting and they're this. No, what we're saying is, God, you give us power that we can have so that we can be a blessing to other people. Anybody in this room love other people at all? Do you? I hope you do. You know, the Holy Spirit saying is, I can help you love other people better. I can help you bring other people to Jesus better. I can help you strengthen other people's faith. I've given you that ability. It's already in you. You just got to unwrap those gifts that are available. And so this is what he's saying. It's power to help other people. And he's, he begins to describe it. And let's talk about the gifts. He says to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Or maybe your Bible says words of wisdom. And you know what that is? That's the times when you're in a confusing situation, people don't know what to do. People are looking, oh, we don't know what direction to take. We don't know what's going on. And someone comes along and, and you pray. Someone with the gift of the words of wisdom. And what they do is they, they take the knowledge that's on hand and they know how to apply it exactly, specifically, perfectly for that situation. It's when you come along and you speak into a situation, you make the best decision, you gave the best advice, it brings about the best results, and you walk away from it going, how did that just happen right now? You know, that's happened to me so many times in my life. People have spoken into my life that, and I'm just going, there's no way that they could have that kind of a wisdom. There's times in my life when I'm counseling people, couples that are just struggling with each other or something. And I do not profess to be a counselor. I'm not trained as a counselor. I don't have any certificate of sociology, psychology, psychiatry, whatever. I'm, that's not me. I'm a pastor. So I know about the word of God and I can give people advice based on the word of God. But there's times when co people come to me and they're, they're at a standstill and I'm just going, oh, Holy Spirit, just give me wisdom right now because I don't even know what to say here. And all of a sudden, someone comes to me and I just go, hey, why don't you guys try doing it this way? Da -da 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 -da. And I say something and they're just like, the light comes on, it changes, they come back to me. That was it, thank you, you're so smart. And I'm like, I'm not smart. I went to Cullahill High School, come on. Like, I'm not, that, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? No, nothing wrong with that. But it's just, you don't expect me to be dropping that kind of wisdom. I walk away after I've said stuff like that, and I go, where did that even come from? And then I go, wait a minute, I know where that came from. Holy Spirit is supposed to give me power. If I ask for wisdom, he's going to do things that are God-like, that are not human-like. You guys get what I'm saying here? He says if we seek and tap into this power that he's already put in us, that we can have words of wisdom that are the exact answer for what someone's going through. I hear that kind of stuff all the time, and nobody in the human nature saw it coming, but God spoke through someone else. Here it says this. Another, the same Spirit, gives us a message of special knowledge. That's when God gives you something where you know something about someone that there's no way you could have known about. And we're talking specifics, not generalization, not like, oh, God loves you, but the kind of stuff where, do you know that I... Grew up in this church. I moved to California to go to Bible college. I was in California, went to college, became a youth pastor for five or six years in Huntington Beach, was happy. My youth group was growing, 200 kids, loving God. His blessing was there. We had a great family, mini church where, yeah, this is where God wants us. I get a phone call. Hey, Carl, you should move back to Hawaii, be our youth pastor. Our youth pastor is going to plant a church. My dad called me, right? I'm like, yeah, nope. You know, hang up. I don't want to do that. Call me again. Yeah, I know you really need to, like, you know, think about this one. We've, we've trained you. You're from us. You know, come back and, and be our youth pastor. I'm like, nah, that's okay. Thanks. You know, God's doing good stuff here. And finally, I get a call from Mike Kai, who's a pastor at Inspire Church now. Um, he actually was our youth pastor at the time. And he goes, Carl, 
I'm leaving my position at Hope Chapel Kaniwebe to start a church, and you need to at least pray and ask God for confirmation about coming back and being the youth pastor of this church. And I said, okay, Mike, I'll pray on it. So I began to pray. God, show me. Give me confirmation. You know what happened? A word of knowledge. This guy in my church, I was a youth pastor. This guy in my church who's like over 70 years old, right? We don't really move in the same circles, right? Because I'm here with all the wild youth surfing and stuff, and he is an elder in the church, right? So we don't even move in the same circles. I know him. I respect him. I love him. I know who he is. He comes up to me after church one day, and he just says this. Carl, there's a really big decision that you're wrestling with right now where you don't know which way you should go. God says you should follow this decision and say yes to this decision and don't turn it down. Say yes to this decision. And then he just walks away. Thank you. And I'm just like, what? You know, I'm like, wait, who told you? You know, and literally I hadn't told anybody. I was wrestling with it with my wife. We were beefing over it. She didn't want to move. She's like, no way. We're not moving. And I'm like, I I don't know. Let's pray on it. Let's see if this is God. This guy comes to me and he drops this on me. Word of knowledge. Hey, you're going through something right now where you're making this big decision. How could this guy have known? There's no way he could have known except for our God is still alive today and he moves in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this brother had a word of knowledge for me, spoke right into my life. And you know what it resulted in? I moved back here, become youth pastor, move up, college pastor, men's pastor. I'm lead pastor of the church today because God loved me enough to put his power on display through one of his kids and give a word of knowledge that changed the course of my life. Is that good? It works today, guys. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about something 2,000 years ago. This is the abilities that God has given us for today. If we tap into it, the same spirit gives great faith to another. You know what this great faith is? You read this and you go, gift of faith. Well, I have faith in Jesus. We all have that. No, this is talking about great faith, specific faith in the midst of impossibility or danger when everybody around you is saying, no way, and you just go, no, God is telling me I'm going for it and it's going to work out. And you're going, no, there's, there's no possible way you could sell your house or you could get that job or you, that relationship's going to work out or whatever happens, right? And there's that gift of faith that comes upon us when literally the whole world is saying, it's impossible, it's not going to happen or it's dangerous. The martyrs that all died for their faith, hey, deny Jesus. Nope, I'm not going to, right? They, they look danger in the eye and they, they choose Jesus, right? Here's a story. When I was in Bible college, I had a professor and he taught, missions, cross-cultural um, ministry, right? How to relate to other people. And he'd been to like over a hundred countries around the world and ministered. And just a super low-key guy, super smart guy, spoke like seven languages. English was like his third language on the, the list. And he, he preached to us and spoke in class every day. Um, he had been called upon to go do a missionary uh, ministry in this remote tribe in Indonesia, in Irian Jaya, like Papua New Guinea, to this tribe of cannibals and headhunters, the Una people. You can look them up. It's like legit. Um, he went and God said, hey, I want you and your wife to go and I want you to, to bring these people to the Lord. I want you to do ministry. And he's like, okay, but they're warriors. They're cannibals. They eat people. They're filled with the demonic. It's gnarly. I don't know. But he said, you know what? I'm going there. And gift of faith came upon him. He went, he flew over there. There was no airport, so he had to go somewhere near. They had to get a little helicopter to fly him in because it was literally in the jungle. Dropped them off with all their supplies and everything. And the warriors all came out to greet him. The warriors didn't kill him. They accepted him. They took him in. 
they did over the years, he gave these people a written language because they didn't have any written language at all. He learned their language. He was like a linguistics guy, right? He learned their language, wrote it down, their alphabet, the whole deal, translated the Bible into their language. This took years. But he started a little Bible college. You know what happened? He basically converted 97% of those several thousand people to Christianity, to Jesus Christ, and they're producing leaders and pastors even to this day. He completely converted that whole tribe. Is that cool or what? That's cool, right? But listen to this. Here's the thing about the gift of faith is he went in there knowing that there had been several other missionaries that had tried before and literally got eaten. They literally were eaten. He actually saw some of their like little, you know, head hunter like deal skulls and stuff like that. So he was facing absolute danger, got dropped off and God's grace covered him. But then a few years later, as he, he learned the language and he was able to talk to these, these different tribesmen and stuff, there's friends now, brothers in Christ. He goes, you know, I have a question for you. All these years I've wondered, how come when my wife and I came in here, you guys never killed us and you never ate us? And they said this. They said, well, because we have this prophecy passed down through oral tradition all of these years and generations in our, in our village, in our tribe, that one of our holy men once said that there's going to come a day when a holy man comes to us out of the belly of a dragonfly, helicopter, right? They've never seen helicopters before. And he's going to come to us and he's going to bring us truth on banana leaves. And we're supposed to listen and obey what this man has to say and what the truth is on those banana leaves. They had no concept of paper and banana leaves is their closest um, description of this man coming out of the belly, belly fly, uh, the, dragon, the belly of a dragonfly helicopter and opening the word of God, scripture, and saying, hey, I want to share some truth with you. The reason they never killed him is because God had already worked out something and was expecting this mighty move of God for this whole tribe to be saved, but it was all activated because that man had the gift of great faith to go in there and to risk it all for Jesus. You guys get what I'm saying here? This is available today in this day and age, guys. This isn't something that died out with the death of the last apostle or in the time when the early church needed to get started. This stuff is still happening today. This guy's got all kinds of stories. He's seen people rise from the dead. This, this uh, professor of mine, all kind of amazing stuff. But this stuff is still happening today. Look at what it says in the next thing. It says, to someone else, he gives the, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. That is, I see that one in abundance all the time today. I see people getting prayed for. There's people in our church that literally can show you x-rays where they have like, see those three spots? That's malignant cancer. And they go and they get prayer. And two weeks later, they, they bring the, the doctor's x-ray and they go, see that? That's just my bones in there. There's nothing else dealing with that. God just healed me of cancer. And that's the healing that is available to us today, that people have the gift of healing. Now, I want to tell you this. There's some people that believe you only get one gift and you can only exercise that one gift. It's the Holy Spirit's job to decide who gets the gifts and when they get them. And according to scripture, people varied in the different gifts that they had. Miracles sometimes, healing sometimes, different stuff sometimes. I believe, not just from the scripture, but from what I've seen in my life, that God will give you the gift that he decides is best for you given the proper situation that you're in. He wants to bring healing, freedom, and do miracles. And If you're open to the Holy Spirit, if you're focused on the giver and not just the gifts, then he's going to begin to work in you. I've had the gift of healing on me several times. I've had it being on the receiving end of it where I was struggling with stuff, back pain for over a year, and someone prays for me, and it's healed, and it's gone, and it never came back. I've had times I threw out my back later after that, but I had chronic back pain for over a year and a half, and it went away when someone prayed for me. But I've seen headaches disappear, common cold. I've seen cancer, but I've actually been on the end of it where I've actually literally laid hands and prayed for people, and people have been healed. There's one person I went to in Japan 
I preached a sermon on the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then they all started lining up and going, okay, well, practice on us. And I went, oh, boy, here we go. Got to put my money where my mouth is, right? And I prayed for someone. And in faith, they received it. And I came back to Japan a few months later, and they said, uh, yeah, I had cancer, and I was supposed to die. You prayed for me, and it went away. I was like, no, no, no. And then they gave me the whole story. And they said, no, I came to you for healing. I went to the doctor, and it happened. I was just like blown away, but I shouldn't be. And the point of my sermon is we shouldn't be blown away because the Holy Spirit has been promised to us to come in power. I've seen it in my life, guys. I'm not a pastor up here preaching old stories. I've seen, I've experienced with my own eyes, my own life, testimony. It still happens in our church but I'm tired of it happening once in a while. I want to bring us back to the point where we're moving, where we're surrendered, we're submitted. It's not our power. It's nothing about us. We're just saying, Holy Spirit, you're already working in us. It's time for you to work through us because we want to bless this world. Amen? Come on, 9 a.m. service. You got to get excited about this stuff. This is God. He's real. It says in verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles. And that's the kind of stuff we see in scripture when Jesus, he cast out demons. I could tell you stories. You know, people are like, oh, demons, I don't believe in that stuff. I watch the TV shows. No, it's real. I've seen it. I've seen the kind of stuff where you're praying for someone and they're growling at you and their entire pupils just turn black and they look at you and you're just like, uh-oh, you got to make that decision. God, I'm going to stand in your power and your faith and do something about this or I'm going to pee my pants and run away right now because it's gnarly. It's real. I've seen people like just, Arr! I've seen guys like just start punching themselves in the face and then in the name of Jesus, someone prays and says, hey, in the name of Jesus, I command you, put your hands on. And you just see their hands go, by their sides. And I'm just like, is this really happening here? I've seen the kind of stuff where scratches begin appearing on people's arms. And they're just sitting there. And nothing. This is my own eyes, guys. I'm trying to tell you this because this isn't back in Bible days. This is happening. It's available for right now. And you pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, this needs to be a miracle all on you because I got nothing here. And in the name of Jesus, that stuff gets released and people get free. Then people begin praising God and they never have the growling and the pupils and the scratches. That stuff goes away from their lives. I want to preach a sermon here today telling you guys this stuff is alive and well. God is here. The power is available for us. So sometimes you may be given the gift of performing miracles, casting out demons. Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, fed the 5,000, the water to wine. I've had friends of mine walk away from car crashes unscathed, and the cops and the paramedics say, you weren't in that. There's no way there was a human body in that. And they go, no, I, I did. I just drove. I'm sorry. I hit five cars, and I smashed into that thing. I walked away, and I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm good. And they're like, no, there's no way there's a human body in that. Look at how it's all crashing. I've seen the car, and I went, how in the world? And yet these people say, God did a miracle. I walked away unscathed. And you know what this? I had one friend walked out of a car crash. Neighbors came out, right? They heard the whole deal came out. The cops got called. My friend was okay. And then the neighbors said this. Hey, to the girl that walked out. She's a Christian. She said, he said, hey, mate, were you alone in the car? The cop said, were you alone? She goes, yeah, I, was, I dropped my friends off at home. I was driving home alone. And the neighbor said this. No, honey, tell them about the two guys that were in the car with you that got out. She's like, there wasn't two. I, was, I promise I was alone. My friends can even say that. I was away. No, 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 no. No, officer, what we saw when this car crash happened, we saw her get out, but we saw these two tall, long, blonde-haired guys get out, and then they walked away and walked down the street, and she was okay. And 
everybody's tripping on that story. She goes, I was alone. And then we read about in scripture where it says God causes his angels to be around us and to protect us. And we want to go just throw that stuff away. And our Western mindset in the United States is we don't want to buy into that spiritual stuff. That's all people's fantasies. And what? how come it's the neighbors that saw it? Not even the one that was in there, the Christian, right? There's stuff like that. I got all kinds of stories like this. Why? Because God is still at work in his people today. He's got power available for us in our lives if we would step out and begin to realize It's not enough the Holy Spirit works in me. He can work through me and around me to draw people to Jesus Christ. Amen? This stuff is real. I love this kind of stuff. But I'm sad in myself because I turn it on for a season, and then I kind of get back into human control, Western mindset. Why is it that all the powerful stories you hear about the Holy Spirit showing up is in all these other countries where they're so used to spiritual warfare, and they're used to accepting things of the Holy Spirit? And things of the demonic because they're, they're, they got spiritual eyes and, and God does amazing miracles. But we over here, we're so quick to criticize and get rid of it. I want to stop being that kind of a person. I had a birthday yesterday and I am tired of living another year of my life without accepting the mighty power of God in my life every day, all the time. And he decides when it happens and how it happens. I just want to be fully immersed. God, do whatever you want to do. Amen. And I want our church to go that way. I don't want us sitting here full of skepticism and no power. I believe he can come, but we have to allow him to move in these ways. It says to another, he'll give the gift, the ability to prophesy. What prophesying is, is when someone gives God's direct words from him to you, or you give it to another people, another person. And you know what? This happened to me last week. I went to someone's house, someone that I know in this church and I love and I looked up to and, and she's like, Hey, I want to, I want to cook you lunch or whatever. And it, it happened. And I met with her and um, we're just talking, and I was sharing some stuff in my life. And I go, hey, could you just pray for me? She didn't know everything that's going on. I go, you just pray for me. I know you, you, you hear from the Holy Spirit. Remember how when I said, a lot of times to pursue the Holy Spirit, you hang out with people that know him well, and they teach you stuff, and it rubs off on you? I knew she was hooked up, and I said, hey, can you just pray for me, and whatever happens, God, bring it, right? She started praying, and she went right into the gift of prophecy in her prayer. And it was like, oh, God, I asked for Carl, da 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 Then it just changed. Son, I love you. And boom, she just started talking from God straight to me. And you know what happened? I just received it and I just melted. Oh, I was like crying, the whole ugly cry. You don't even care how ugly you are because God is working in your life. And you're just like, bring it, God. Ah, right? And I was just sitting there. And I just remember standing and I was asking for prayer and I was just losing it. But it's the kind that felt so good because God was speaking direct to, directly to me through this person with the gift of prophecy. And it wasn't broad generalizations of like, God loves you. It was legitimate stuff that's literally going on in my life right now. And I'm going, yes, God, this is you. And I'm all in. Come on, baptize me, do whatever you need to do. And I took it. And you know what? That happened last week. This isn't old stories. This is God at work with the gift of prophecy speaking to me. So I embrace this stuff. This stuff is, is real. It says he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. You know what that is? That's more than just discernment of right and wrong. And I always kind of wrongly thought it was just that. It actually is the ability to see into the spiritual realm. We live in a spiritual world, right? The Bible tells us that we don't just battle against flesh and blood, but there's unknown forces out there that are battling for us. And the gift of discerning of spirits is literally when people can see into the spiritual realm. They see the demons, they see the angels, they see all that stuff. Now, how I know that this one to be true is, personally, I've never personally experienced discernment in this 
degree. Well, actually, that's not true. I've seen stuff in my houses and on people, and I've seen shadows, and I've seen like dark men and things like that that you know you're not you're not supposed to normally see in the in the physical. And I've had that. But my wife, on the other hand, she sees this stuff all the time, her whole life, and so she tells me, yeah. I've, I just see this stuff. It's normal to me. She's not dramatic. She doesn't like, you know, it's all awesome and holy. She's just like, no, this is what I see. God gives me the ability to see this stuff. And when she tells me this stuff, it makes me not want to have that gift. Because she tells me stuff sometimes. Oh, I walked in that building and you know what I saw crawling all over that building? No, I don't want to know what you saw in that building, right? And she goes, you know what I see when we were praying for this guy? I saw this demon that looked like that. I'm like, oh, why'd you tell me that? But you know what? There's a reason why people have that gift. You know why? Because it's God showing you how to minister and how to bring freedom to people like that. Do you understand that when someone manifests demonically, that stuff actually does still happen today, right? When they manifest, it's not for us to be scared. It's the grace of God going, I'm giving you the grace and the love to show you there's the problem. Now you know how to address that problem so that you can bring that person freedom. Amen? The gifts are given to help each other, to set each other free. So when you have someone with the gift of discerning of spirits, you know what that's doing? That's giving us insight into how we need to minister to that person or to pray for that person. Or sometimes they'll just say, you know what, you need to not be dating that guy because da 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 But really it's because they've seen something in the spiritual. And then now you get to go and give counsel, advice, prayer. You get to go help that person in their life. Do you guys see how all of these gifts, even the scary ones, are good for us? Yeah? It's gifts to the body. And so um, in spiritual warfare, that's, that's really effective. Another one is, so it says the spirit gives to another person the ability to speak in unknown languages. You know what that is? Speaking in tongues, right? Controversy. Oh, that's weird. We don't want to talk about that. That's, that's crazy. People are weirdos for that. You know what? Some people do abuse these gifts. Some people do try to stir it up in the human flesh, and they try to make stuff happen that God isn't really doing. I get that. And we don't want to be that kind of church. We don't want to be faking anything. But the gift of tongues is listed in scripture, and it's listed as being operated in four different ways. Did you know that? You read John Bevere's book, he points them out scripturally, that there's two times when you can speak in tongues, and it is to be spoken in public. And there's two times, two instances, when you're supposed to do it in private, right? Here's the two public times. The first time you see in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, they publicly began speaking in tongues. There was a mighty rushing of wind, something that looked like flames came upon all their heads, and they began speaking in other tongues, meaning other known human languages. Not heavenly speech, other known human language, to the point that all the Jews, God-fearing Jews that were visiting Jerusalem are all going... How is this possible? Are these guys drunk? How are they speaking? Wait, they're speaking in our language. How is that possible? They're praising God in our language. And you know what? The public tongues, when you're given that gift, it rarely happens, I think, in America because we all kind of speak the same language. But on the mission field, I hear it happening all the time. When you can speak publicly other languages, you know what that did? It drew all of those people to a relationship with God. That God's going to use public other language tongues to draw people to him. I talk to missionary friends that say they're praising in different churches and they're singing or they're just praising God and they start speaking in tongues out loud, but they know it's another language. And the people around them are going, how is it that you know my language? You're from America. How do you know Cantonese? Right? And they're going, what? I don't, I'm just praising God here. I don't know what's going on. But you know what that does? It piques people's interest to say, your God is real because that's crazy. How does that happen? And what it does is God uses that type of tongue to bring people to him. Is that cool? That's cool, man. I've, I've heard people give me those, those, share those stories. The other type of public tongues is when you speak out in a setting like church or something and you have 
tongues and you speak it out, but someone else has the gift of interpretation. Meaning, you speak out in tongues a heavenly language, you're going to confuse everyone in the room and freak them out. But if someone else comes and they go, wait, I know what he's saying, and he's saying this, and what they begin to speak is a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of prophecy, and it actually benefits people. But we're told you got to judge it by the fruits. So you don't just let everybody get loose and, and go crazy with this stuff, but there's a proper time and a place that will encourage and build up other people around you. The gifts, again, are always to build people up around you. Those are the two public times. Here's the two personal times. The Apostle Paul talked about speaking in tongues for personal edification, personal growth, intimacy with the Lord God. Is that when you allow him to baptize you or you receive this filling or however it it comes in your life, whether it's dramatic and you speak in tongues or whatever it is, if you have the, the gift of tongues, you just talk to him and you feel connected deeper than in using English words. Now, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did at 19. I was going through rough times. I'd been praying for more of the Holy Spirit. I was at a point in my life where I just wanted, I just need more of you, God. I'm willing to look ugly for you or do whatever you need to do. And I just got, boom, I felt the Holy Spirit come on me. And the first thing was I felt like I should say some stuff. And remember this, the Holy Spirit won't force you. He won't possess you to speak. He gives you the opportunity to choose. Do you really want what I'm about to do in your life? And I said, yes. And I just began to speak out and I began to cry and weep. And I just felt the intense love of God in my life, but it took me to the next level. And that tongues that I have is I still practice it today. When I drive in the car, sometimes under my breath, I'm just praying in tongues because what it is, is for me, it clears out all the static, all the noise, all the clutter. There's times you probably can relate to this. You're praying for someone in English, right? You're just praying. Oh God, da 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 da. And then you start going, man, I'm pretty hungry. Right? And you start thinking over here, like, hmm, what should I eat for lunch? Oh, God, yeah, I meant to, to pray for this guy, burrito. I mean, I mean, uh, pray, right? <laughs> you start losing it. And you know what I find is that the Apostle Paul said that, that you should speak with understanding, you should pray with understanding, and you should pray with the Spirit. You should do both, because there's times when both are necessary. You should sing with understanding and sing with the Spirit, he says. But there's times that I feel so much more connected when I'm just freely speaking from my spirit, speaking in tongues. And it's not a show. It's just me and God. But it's like we're on direct hotline where there's no other clutter and other stuff around. So speaking in tongues for personal edification, but then also for when you don't know the words and you're trying to pray for someone else and you don't know why, but God's putting an urgency on your heart to pray for someone and you don't even know how to pray. Let me tell you this story. A few years back when I was a youth pastor in Huntington Beach, had a great youth group and my wife and I woke up at the same time in the middle of the night like 2 a.m., 1 a.m., I don't even know, but it was like deep middle of the night. We were sleeping. She woke up, I woke up, and we just felt like something's going on. We got to pray. And we didn't know, but we just felt urgency. We felt danger. And it's like middle of the night stuff. So we just both started interceding, started praying for all the kids in our youth group by name and all, the, all of our family members and all of our friends and anyone we could think of just praying. God, we don't even know why we're praying, but you're calling us to pray right now. And then we just got to the point where it's this type of tongues, right? Personal tongues are not making a big display. There doesn't need to be interpretation. Just me and her sitting in bed and we're just quietly, each of us, just praying in tongues. Because God, it says in scripture that the Holy Spirit will give us groanings right? That we can't even understand words that we can't utter, but he's going to make those prayers directly for us, the proper prayers that need to go to God. So we just started praying. We prayed in tongues for like 20 minutes, just sat in our bed in the dark, just praying in tongues. We felt like, okay, like a release. We went back to sleep. We didn't even know why. We're, we asked everybody, what's, did anybody get hurt? What's going on? And nothing. So we go to youth group the next week, a few days later, right? And I, I do what I always do. I ask all the kids, hey, what's God been doing in your life? Because he's a real God. He moves. Who's got praise reports? And one girl goes, my, my sister's life was saved this week. And we're like, really? What happened? She goes, well, we're, she was at a party. 
And she started drinking, and she was like a little eighth or ninth grade girl, but she literally was like 80 pounds, like a real small little skinny girl. And she started drinking, and then someone gave her like uh, vodka, like hards, right? Hard stuff. And she pounded like half a bottle of vodka. She thought it was funny, little 80-pound girl, right? And I said, no, she didn't drink that much. I go, that would be really bad. And she goes, it was really bad. She stopped breathing. They couldn't find a pulse. She rushed to the hospital. She was clinically dead for several minutes. And we were there, and we were freaking out, and everybody was tripping out, and they were able to revive her, and she started up. They pumped her stomach. She's recovering, but her life was saved. Praise God. And we're like, wow, that's unreal. God is good. And then we go, wait, what night was that? Oh, that was this night. I look at Kanani, and I, what time was that? Oh, this time exactly is when she was pronounced clinically dead, and this time exactly she was revived and brought back to life. I look at Kanani. We had been woken up that night to intercede in tongues. We didn't know what we were praying for, but we just went right into tongues to say, God, you show us how to pray. And it was the exact night, the exact time that that girl had died and been brought back to life. Is that cool? That stuff gives me Holy Spirit goosebumps, chicken skin, and that tells me my God is alive today and these gifts are for us here in the church today, not just 2,000 years ago, right? And so I remember that story. Then he says, you know, there can be... um, Another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. We talked about that. In verse 11, it says, it's the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So here's what I want you to remember. This power and the stories that I'm telling you here, you can experience it. Carl has experienced it. It happens. It's happening as soon as this past week, there's been visions and words, words of prophecy and wisdom. It's happening if we're willing to risk it, but we've got to be willing to focus on the giver of the gifts and whatever he wants to give us, we want to move in power. We're not going to ask for specific things. We're just going to go, Holy Spirit, do whatever you need to do, but we want some help. We want to experience your power. Is that good? That's what, I mean, that's the relationship that we can have. But let me give you a few verses here real quick because some of you guys are like, well, is that still for today? Let me give you a few verses on the screen right here that basically tell us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and his power are still available for today. It's verses like this. You can write them down or better yet, use technology, take the picture. Come on, just take the picture. You can go look it up later. These are verses that say when God gives his power, his gifts are irrevocable. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. That these gifts that are saying that the Holy Spirit is for, he says this to his disciples, you, your kids, and for anyone that believes, that would believe, Jew and Gentile alike. These scriptures tell us that God's Holy Spirit power is available for us, all believers, at every time, at every place, in every country, in every culture that you're in. It's available for us today. Take a picture. Go look these things up, because this is God's word proving himself here. But here's what I want to say is, I'm speaking today from personal experience. I'm trying to go deeper. God's doing stuff in my life. I've experienced it, and I've experienced it in seasons, and I'm tired of experiencing it in seasons. God is not a God that meets with me once in a while. The Holy Spirit's in me every single day, and he wants me to have the fullness of his power at work in my life because it's not for me anyway. It's so that I would be a blessing to the world around me to encourage the body of Christ and to bring other people to give them proof that we serve a mighty God. Amen? Let me tell you this, as I've been practicing, here's a story from this past week, Tuesday. Anybody at our equipped leaders meeting this past week, Tuesday? You guys remember this? This was cool. I sensed in worship before I got up to speak that the Holy Spirit was saying, someone has been given a word or a vision in here tonight that's for you and your church. 
And I was like, uh-oh, that's scary to say that up on the stage, right? And I said, but if I'm all in with the Holy Spirit and I want to see stuff, it's about a step of faith, right? So I come up on stage and I go, guys, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that there's a word for us tonight, a vision or something. Someone gave, God gave someone something. And I didn't know what it was. I said, okay, who's got it? And like I said, it was just crickets. And everyone's just like kind of looking like deer in headlights. Oh, no, what What are you talking about, man? And I sat up here and I was like, oh, boy, God, you know, I'm risking it for you. I I feel like someone has a word for us tonight that you were were given. God spoke to you. Holy Spirit spoke. You have something. And uh, nobody did anything, right? So finally, a couple of my friends came up and they shared good stuff. I just knew in my heart that's not exactly the thing specifically. What they shared was edifying, blessed us. We were excited. Yeah, thank you, Lord. But I felt like... That wasn't it. There's something that's a direct word or, or vision or something that God has. And so we, we listened to them. We we're like stoked and we broke up into groups. And I was like, God, I, I know you told me that. I'm stepping out in faith here. You have power. You, I really feel you spoke to me. And as we go and walking down in the groups, someone walks up to me. And it's actually my, my, my cousin, well, my cousin's husband, right? Stephen Calderon. And he goes, Hey, Carl, you're going to think I'm an idiot. I didn't say this sooner. When I heard you asking for something, I was kind of like sitting there getting mad. Like, come on, somebody better have something. This is getting awkward, right? And he's all mad. He's like, somebody better get up there and help Pastor Carl out, right? And then he remembered that God goes, I just gave you a vision in worship five minutes ago. He's like, oh, yeah, dang, right? So he didn't get up, but then he tells me, oh, can I tell you now? And I said, yeah, tell me. And he says this. He goes, you know, our Pastor Carl He's well-versed in the Bible. He loves Jesus. He's a man of integrity. He loves this church, and he teaches us well, and he, he moves in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, and he told me this, he goes, God needed to take you through a season of breaking you down and making you more childlike in your faith because that's what God wants for all of us, to, to seek him with the innocence and the purity of a little kid and not to let our, our intellect and our gifts and stuff get in the way. And I could attest to that because this past year or so, I've been going through that kind of breaking down process. And I went on sabbatical and I went all that. And I'm just instantly, I'm all ears. Whoa, what? And he goes, so my vision was this. He goes, I saw you as a little kid, as a child. And you're sitting on the ground. You have a box of matches. And you just keep lighting these matches and throwing them out. And he goes, you're not doing it because you're dumb or you're just a dumb kid, but your heavenly father is telling you to keep doing it. And so you just keep lighting these matches. But I saw this, that all the people in the church, we're all just made of something flammable. And that sooner or later, that one of these matches is going to catch and we're all going to catch on fire and God's going to do some big things. And he goes, and that's all I saw. Does that mean anything? And I'm just like, (laughs) let's go, right? Let me tell you this, guys. That's what I'm speaking from the heart of today is I believe that was a a, a prophetic word, a word of knowledge or wisdom, what you want to call it, but God speaking. And that's how I feel is I'm pressing into the things of the Holy Spirit and I'm just trying to light these matches because God is telling me that this is where our church needs to go. We need to be powerful. We need to be not the, the church of great potential, but the church that lived out its potential and made a difference in this community. We need to be the church that gets on fire with the Holy Spirit, that the power starts manifesting because it's not for display. It's not for us. It's not to feel good. It's so we can make a change in the lives of people around us in the church and around us in this world. Is that good? So I'm just asking you guys, I'm trying to light the matches. Will you catch fire with me? Will you guys get lit up? Will you go with me where the Holy Spirit is leading us? Because he's going to take our church places we've never been before. Are you ready? You guys ready? Awesome. Well, let's pray right now.
Lord, we want to pray that into being, Lord. And even the people that are, you know, maybe skeptical, thinking about it, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them in real ways. Lord, as they go back to the word and as they begin to seek you, Lord, you'd show up like you do in power and you'd prove that you are real. Lord, I want to pray right now as a pastor of this church, Lord, as a spiritual covering of this church, as much as I feel humble and I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff, Lord, I believe in the calling you've given me and the position you've given me. And so, Lord, I stand on that position and that authority as a pastor of this church, Lord, and I just ask spiritually, Father God, for you to come and invade our church. Lord, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to begin moving in new ways in our church. In my life, Father God, we give you the authority and the room and the position and the humility for you to delight us on fire. Father God, I pray that people would begin to discover you in new ways as they begin to seek that filling baptism coming upon of the Holy Spirit, whatever it may look like or feel like. Lord, we want to say we are open. We welcome your presence into this, this church in brand new and exciting and powerful ways. Holy Spirit, come. You're already in us, but we ask for your manifest presence to just come stronger. Lord, and the results are up to you. You do what you need to do, but we just want to say yes to you. And God, as we ask, we don't need to fear because we know if we ask you for good things, you're only going to give us good things. Nothing that would freak us out or scare us away, but things that are going to bless us. So Lord, right now, we just humbly ask and we welcome you to have your way in our church. We give you permission to move in ways that you've never moved before. 